Edwards III, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. Hi, and welcome back. And I'm just back from the Holy Land, where I was leading a pilgrimage this last week. And it's it's always a blessed experience to be able to see the land of Jesus, to see the land of the Bible. But I have to say, this year's Holy Land pilgrimage was a particular blessing for me. Uh, I was just coming off of a very busy couple weeks as we were wrapping up that book project on following Jesus as a disciple. In fact, I was doing the final edits on the plane going overseas on the way to Tel Aviv. Uh, and so I was so thankful thankful to have this time for prayer. And that's one of the things we do in this pilgrimage is not just go see a lot of great things, but really enter into the sacred sites and encounter Jesus. So I build in lots of time for prayer and I needed it. Uh, I always need it, but I I particularly needed it. And I want you to know I prayed for all of you uh, as well and and your intentions. So thanks for being here today. We're in the middle of November, coming toward the end of November and toward the end of the liturgical year as the Feast of Christ the King approaches. And it's traditional in this time of year, in the liturgical year, to think about the last things. That's a great Catholic focus in November. The last things. In other words, what happens in the end? What happens when we die? Heaven, hell, purgatory, judgment. Are you confident that you could talk to someone about these things? Do you have clarity in your own mind about what happens after we die? If you're at Thanksgiving dinner this week and somebody asks you, one of your relatives, you know, so why do you Catholics believe in purgatory? Or could there really be a hell? Or, or, or you know, all these crazy ideas people have about what happens after we die. We get reincarnated or we all become blended into one. All these strange ideas. Do you have confidence that you could explain the Catholic teachings on this? I want to help increase your confidence and give you clarity on what happens after we die. We're going to talk about judgment. We're going to talk about heaven, hell, purgatory. And just walk through that really quickly here uh, and give you some practical tools. So first, however, first, I want to just put you right into the scene. Uh, I, want, I want to make this personal here. I want you just to imagine your last moments on earth. It's shortly before you die. And just imagine you're on your deathbed and a priest walks into the room to give you a final blessing. Imagine him praying this prayer over you. I'm going to read you a prayer. And these might represent the last words you hear here on earth before you enter into eternity. Listen to this prayer. Go forth, Christian soul, from this world. In the name of God, the Almighty Father who created you. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, who suffered for you. In the name of the Holy Spirit who is poured out upon you. Go forth, faithful Christian. Now, these words I'm not making up. This is a traditional prayer known as the prayer of commendation. Uh, It's a prayer that is like a traveler's prayer, I like to think of it as, as it's entrusting the soul to God as it journeys to its eternal home. The prayer goes on to talk about, may you live in peace this day. May, May your home be with God in Zion. And it culminates with the hope that that you're going to enter into the joy of all the angels and saints. Listen to these last words of this prayer. May you return to your creator who formed you from the dust of the earth. May Holy Mary, the angels, and all the saints come to meet you as you go forth from this life. May you see your Redeemer face to face. That's what the whole goal of life is all about, to see God face to face to face. Now let's talk about what happens then. So let's say, put yourself in that scene at your last moments, you hear these words, and then you breathe your last. 
what will happen to you right at that moment? Well, immediately, immediately we go before God in what's called the particular judgment, the particular judgment. There's going to be a a general judgment that comes at the end of time. And that's when we see the effects of all of our actions and how they've they've impacted various course of events and other people's lives throughout history. So there'll be a general judgment. We'll see everyone's actions at the end of time. But when I die right now, or when you died in your particular moment of death, you will immediately go before God and you will face the particular judgments. So at this moment, uh, your life choice has become definitive and you're going to stand before God and you will be judged on how well you loved. You're going to be judged on your love, how well you loved God, how well you loved your neighbor. Uh, St. John of the Cross once said, at the evening of life, we shall be judged on our love. And so souls that are deemed to be in friendship with God, if you're truly in friendship with God, then then you're going to be worthy of heaven. But if you happen to die outside of friendship with God, then you will have eternal separation from God. Now, I want to be really clear, this idea of the judgment, when you go before the judgment seat of God, this isn't God making someone guilty or innocent. No, no, no. God's not making you that way. God's simply just acknowledging, declaring what already exists. You, you either are a friend of Jesus Christ or you're not. You've rejected him. You've set him aside in your life. Uh, and, and that's God, God is just acknowledging the, the effects or, or the choices that we've made in life. Uh, and so, if again, if we die in friendship with God, we're going to be found worthy of heaven. So you're going to go on your way to heaven. Either right away, you'll be right before God if you're a perfect saint, uh, or you may have to pass through what's known as purgatory. We'll talk about that in a moment. But if we die outside of friendship with God, then we go to eternal separation from God, and that's called hell. Let's talk about hell for a moment. Can a loving, forgiving God really send someone to hell? I mean, if God's just loving and merciful, would he ever send someone to hell? Well, a couple things to clarify here. Don't don't think of hell as like a, a place that God created, like he created this big prison and cage to throw people in that he's really mad at. Uh, and, and God doesn't send people to hell. Uh, maybe you can think of it this way, in a sense, we create hell, and we choose to go there. You see, uh, the Catechism uh, it describes hell in this way. He said, it says in Article 1033 from the Catechism of the Catholic Church, we cannot be united with God unless we freely choose to love him. So we're made for union with God, but we can't experience that union unless we freely choose to love him. So I think what's key here is to think about hell as a state of self-exclusion from union with God. See, God gave us freedom. He gave us free will uh, so that we can love. He didn't create us as robots without free will. You know, if, if my wife and I were, were married and I fell in love with my wife, but she was like pre-programmed to fall in love with me and it wasn't a free choice. I just typed something into a computer and I made her love me. That wouldn't really be love. She might say really kind things and do nice things for me. Uh, but, but, it, but the beauty of love is that someone freely chooses of their own accord to make sacrifices, to serve, to commit themselves to another person. Uh, and God gave us that freedom because he, he loves us and he wants us to love him. So he gave us freedom so we could choose him, but with that comes the risk that we could ignore him. And he takes our freedom very seriously. So when we're die, when we die, we're we're left only with the desires 
on the depths of our souls. And if those desires are truly for God, then we're going to have union with God. We'll be with him forever in heaven. But if those desires aren't really for God in his way, for his plan for our lives, for his church, and his, his moral plan, then, then we get what we want. We get separation from God. So again, don't think of hell as like a, a, a like this big prison God throws people in, a place with de- where devils poke us with pitchforks. and no, Just think of it as eternal separation from God. So God doesn't send people there in that sense. Hell, think of it this way. Hell is the ultimate working out of our pushing God out of our lives here on earth. Uh, and so in the end, we get what we really want uh, in, in the end. Now, what about, what about purgatory? You know, so many misconceptions about purgatory. Uh, purgatory is not a middle zone between heaven and hell. Some people think that, you know, if I'm really, really good, I get to go to heaven. And if I'm really, really bad, I go to hell. And, you know, if you're okay, you know, you did a decent job, but you're not really great. Well, then, then you get purgatory. That's how some people think of purgatory. It's this middle zone, a middle state between heaven and hell. Uh, other people think purgatory is like a second chance. You know, hey, if you didn't get it right here on earth, then you get you get a, a mulligan here. You get a chance to do it all over in purgatory. That's not true. And other people may think of it as uh, purgatory. That's the place where God bakes you for hundreds and hundreds of years. Uh, and, and then after so much punishment and being baked in the fires of purgatory, he'll, he'll let you into heaven. Uh, I want to clarify purgatory in a moment. Uh, but, but first, I think to truly understand purgatory, we need to understand heaven better. What is heaven? Heaven is eternal life in union with the Holy Trinity. So it's God's very life and that we're fully united with. God created us to be in union with him, to share in his Trinitarian life. And, and think about just how great that Trinitarian love is. You know, God's very inner life is all about total self-giving love. The Father infinitely giving himself in love to the Son. The Son pouring himself out totally in love to the Father. And the very outpouring of love between the Father and the Son is the Holy Spirit. That's the love we're made for. We're made for union with the Trinity. So heaven isn't like dancing through the clouds with angels and harps being played. It's sharing in the love of, of the, the Trinity, which is infinite outpouring of love. Uh, and heaven is going to be the ultimate working out of our living the way God made us. It's, it's, it's if we're made to love God and love others. If we're made to love God first and foremost with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength. Uh, and heaven is going to be entering into that eternal, perfect love of the Trinity. But what happens if someone dies in friendship with God? They really do love God, but their love isn't perfect. Do you know anyone out there that might be like that? <laughs> All of us listening probably here. And if you're not, if you think you already love God perfectly, email me. I want to meet you and get some relics because you're a saint. <laughs> but I think all most of us here, we're like, wow, we're, we're very much works in progress. We, we really do have a friendship with Jesus. We love him. We pray. We try, but we fall short. What, what happens if we die and we're not a saint yet? Well, we can't go straight to heaven. I mean, think about it. Is there anybody in heaven that loves God with only part of their soul? They only love God with half their hearts. You know, or is there anyone in heaven that loves God with 75% of their hearts or even 99.8% of their hearts? No, no. If we're going to enter that perfect love of the Trinity, 
that we need to, to you know that we need to be completely transformed and, and and a lot of that transformation takes place through our life of prayer through the sacraments through our pursuit of virtue and our, our pursuit of heroic sanctity but we will die and if we're we're not fully purified there's more work to be done that's what purgatory is all about so this is why the Jews the ancient Jews prayed for the dead to deliver them from sin. And the early Christians did the same thing. You know, I think about St. Monica, who before she dies, she's begging her son Augustine, please remember me in the Mass. Uh, And so this is very common. Uh, Now, one thing that you may find in Scripture, and again, I hope to do a whole episode on purgatory sometime down the road uh, in itself. But just briefly here, there's one big Scripture verse I like to turn attention uh, attention to, and that's 1 Corinthians 3.15. 1 Corinthians 3.15 speaks of some who will be saved, but only through fire. Only through fire. So there's some who are going to be saved. In other words, we're not talking about people on their way to hell. These are people who are in friendship with God, and they're going to be saved, but but they're not there yet. They have to pass through fire. And so I think 1 Corinthians 3.15 is a strong scriptural support that it doesn't list purgatory there, but it's talking about this third state. There's heaven, there's hell, and this is a soul on the journey to heaven, but not quite there yet. They have to pass through fire, and purgatory is often associated with fire. Uh, and we might think of that in a negative way. We think of fire as God punishing us, you know, sticking us in the furnace for all these hundreds of years and purgatory for our sins. So we suffer and, 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 get, and get punished for our sins. No, I want you to think about scripture, how scripture presents fire. Uh, it is true fire can be used in that way in terms of God's judgment, but many times scripture is also presenting fire as an image for God's love, God's presence, God's closeness with his people. Think about it, Pentecost, right? The Holy Spirit comes down upon the apostles as tongues of fire. So fire is associated with the Holy Spirit filling their hearts. Uh, Think about the Israelites in the desert. They were guided by a pillar of fire. Uh, So God guiding them close to his people, leading them to the promised land. Think about Moses at the burning bush when God first reveals his name to Moses, I am who I am, and and calls Moses to, to lead the people out of Egypt. God is drawing near to Moses, manifesting his holy presence in the form a fire in the burning bush. That's why it's no surprise the New Testament in Hebrews 12, 29, how does it describe God? God is an all-consuming fire. All-consuming fire. In fact, the, the angels in heaven, you know, the, the angels that are the highest angels, the ones that are closest to God, the seraphim, you know, literally seraphim means the burning ones. Why? Because they're so close to God. It's as if they're, they're, they're radiating the holy heated, fiery presence of God's love. So the purgatorial fires, when we think about a soul, like St. Paul describes in 1 Corinthians 3.15, as being saved but passing through fire, think of the purgatorial fires as God's love burning in us, transforming us. Pope Benedict once described the fires of purgatory as the fire which burns and saves. It's Christ himself, he says. The fire which burns and saves is Christ himself. Christ drawing so close to us that he's purifying us. He's changing us. He's wiping out any vestiges of selfishness within us uh, and, and enabling us to love perfectly 
And so when we are completely transformed by God's fiery love, then we enter that love of the Trinity, which is where we're going to have our perfect, never-ending happiness. It's in this sense that perhaps we can think of hell you know, is is the coldest place. <laughs> uh, you know, people, souls that are surrounded by God's love, but inwardly they've rejected that love. Inwardly they've isolated themselves from the warmth of God. So my friends, I hope this has been helpful to shed a little light on what happens after we die in heaven, hell, and purgatory. Uh, if you like this show, I want to encourage you, could you share this with others? Uh, I'm hoping that this, this show can be a blessing to other people, and you may know others that could be uh, enriched by learning more about the last things and how to talk about it better. So I appreciate that. And if you have any questions, comments, or uh, any suggestions for future programs down the road, I'm all ears. You can contact me through Facebook and Twitter. You can also find me on my website, edwardsree.com. Thank you very much, my friends. God bless.